Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> it is good to be in the light as he is in the light. Amen. Do you get what I'm alluding to? Yes, spiritually, of course, but also to have windows that are open today. And I want to just uh, quickly thank uh, Merle and Rick Ewing for helping us do that this past week. It is, uh, yes. <laughs> it is good to be with you this morning, to be in the house of the Lord. I thoroughly enjoy every Sunday of gathering together. And um, I trust this morning that as you are worshiping with us, uh, if you're visiting with us, that you would experience the grace of God um, amongst us as the people of God, and two, in what we attempt to do. Uh, our worship service is not intended to be entertaining. It's not intended to be catchy or cute. Uh, it's intended to bring glory to God. It's intended for us to share our faith in Him, the one who has saved us and who still changes lives today. This morning, uh, you, uh, if you're visiting with us, you may not know this, but we're in the middle of a vision series that I'm preaching through. Started this series last week and started it by uh, talking to you about why, why we exist. And in case you didn't catch it in Pastor Trent's words, uh, but let me say it again, we exist to help people come to know Jesus Christ, not only to know Him, but to grow into mature followers of Jesus, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of this city that we love and that God loves. Amen? Are we not fortunate to live in this city? And we love this city. We love, we love it because God loves this city. We love the people in this city, and we believe God has called us to bless this city and, in fact, our world. And this morning, I'm going to continue on in preaching about uh, the values that help us to achieve this very important goal. Now, before I do that, uh, would you take out your cell phones this morning? And uh, this, is not, this is not to trick you or anything, but if you have your cell phone, would you punch in the following number? 403-250-8844, and following my uh, message this morning, I will respond to whatever questions uh, might come to your mind as I preach on this text. The intention here is to bring clarity. The intention is to hear where there might be a sense of uh, perhaps uh, a need for explanation and also to give opportunity for you and for me as pastor to learn what it is that you're thinking about as it relates to this emerging vision. We're all okay. You are very quiet this morning and um, I'm going to try my best uh, to preach as well as I can to keep you with me and to keep you awake. If you look at uh, the slide that we just had up there that says communion with God, you will see that the first value, it's coming, I think. Is it? Yes. <laughs> the first value on this slide is represented by the icon of a tree. And I know that you are smart people, so you probably figured out that that icon is representative of the key scripture from which we derive the meaning for this particular value. Jesus speaks in John chapter 15 about himself as being the vine and that we are the branches and that if we are connected to him, that what will happen is we will not be the same, but we will grow and hence we will produce fruit. 
So whenever you see the tree as a part of the symbols in your bulletin or on our communication or on your emails, I want you to think about this text that simply means this. We are to be connected to the source of life in order for us to grow up as followers of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand this morning that what Jesus is saying in John chapter 15 is perhaps one of the most awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping things that a God could say to creation. Jesus is painting a picture for us of what it means to be Christian. He is stating in his invitation that to be Christian is not simply to be a rule-keeping person. It is not to be a person of religious duty. It is not first and foremost to be a person that lives in a particular way because that is the code of the religion. But Jesus is saying that to be Christian is essentially to have a life-giving, personal, dynamic, intimate relationship with God. To which most religious, uh, uh, religions in the world today gasp at. Because in many religions today, the idea that God would lower himself and actually have a relationship with creation is, is, is to be blasphemous. And on other sides of the spectrum in religion, for, for others, the consideration that Jesus would, would come in the flesh and abide amongst us seems almost irrelevant. But for us as Christians, the invitation of the scripture is incredible to consider. It is that God desires to have a personal dynamic relationship with his creation. What I mean by that is simply this. If you approach Christianity from the perspective of I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to do what it says, you might turn out to be a very moral person, perhaps even a good person. But what God longs for is not primarily morally good people. He longs to have a personal dynamic relationship with you and with me. To which God's people ought to say, amen. The question, of course, that the text then presents to us is how does this happen? Jesus uses a word. He says, I want you to abide in me and I will abide in you. In other translations, it's put it this way. I want you to dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Yet in other translations, it says, I want you to remain in me and I will remain in you. And so this morning, I want to speak about communion of God in the following way. I want you to understand, and perhaps for those of us who enjoy reading, and I know there are many here, one sitting right in the front to my right, who just absolutely enjoys reading. Over the years, I have come to realize that, that my wife um, has this incredible appetite to learn and to grow and to read. And I have got to know a lot of her authors through her reading. And when she speaks about the author, she speaks with a, a sense of almost knowing the author. And I go, she's never met the person. She's never actually had Pauline Gedge in our living room or Francine Rivers or some of the historical writers who I unfortunately do not know the names for. But she seems to have this idea of who they are by reading the text. 
the, the invitation of John 15 to dwell goes beyond learning about God through, through reading and understanding. It, it is as if the author makes his visit to your home. And when there, you open up the door, he comes in, he abides with you, he eats with you, enjoys your food, and then he says this, now I want to stay and live with you. The invitation is not to a disconnected knowledge of Jesus Christ, but to actually a present relationship with God who indwells and lives with us. And so how does this happen? The starting point for a communing life is first and foremost the person of Jesus Christ. It begins by placing our faith in him. And unlike our personal friendships with others, you know, where, where we, we possibly uh, can touch a person, it requires faith because this God is present yet unseen. But Jesus is the key to having a communing relationship and in fact knowing God precisely because the scripture tells us this is God who has come in the flesh. God so desperately wants creation to know him that he comes in the only way that we can relate to him. He makes himself like us according to scripture. This past uh, Wednesday in our Alpha course, we listened to a presentation on who Jesus is. And as I listened to the presenter talk about Jesus, he presented some historical facts that qualified the actual existence of this Jesus Christ in time and history. He qualified that this is real. not only religious historians affirm the actual existence of Jesus, but history speaks to a man upon which history turns till this very day. Here is the miracle of communion with God. It is a God who comes in the flesh to make himself known so that we would know him and relate to him. If people ask you, why Jesus and why not Buddha? And by the way, they're good, good, good people from other religions. If, if, if you're struggling with the question, why Jesus and, and not Muhammad? If, you, if you're struggling with the question, why, why perhaps not a different path, a different way? The answer is given to us in John's gospel that the word, that God, the creating order of the universe came in flesh so that he would make himself known to creation. There is no other religion that asserts that such a divine relationship is in fact possible. And let me put it to you this way. If you miss the communing possibility of God, then all you're left with is religion. And you are left with rules. You are left with a way in which you think you ought to live, but no dynamic, true experience of God in your life. Hence, many lack the passion and feel the impulse to do good things, to earn his love, when all that God wants to do through Jesus Christ is make himself known to you and to me personally. The question is, not just with your head do you believe and understand, but in our lives do you know him? Is God a part of your life? Have you placed your faith in the one who has come to be known? Do you know this Jesus Christ personally? Or are you religious? Religious people are good people. Religious people are moral people. Religious people you can appreciate because hopefully their religious sentiments guides them into good decisions. But Christianity is about finding a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. 
The Jesus who came into this world and came to the broken and the hurting. The Jesus who went into the homes of people that other ones ignored. The Jesus who says, I will come and make my dwelling amongst you so that you would know what God is like. If you want to know who God is, if you want to commune with God, then read the scriptures and hear the life of Jesus for Jesus ultimately reflects who the Father truly is. The question is, have you placed your faith and your trust in him? Do you know him? Not just about him, not just as you would read an author and listen to what they have to say in their books, but in a personal, life-giving way. We can only commune with God when we learn to place our faith in the one who has come into this world, Jesus Christ. Second, I believe that the way in which we commune with God, the way in which we abide with God, is through opening our lives to receive from Him His very Spirit. You see, the God of Christian faith is revealed to us as the one who comes into our world uh, as the Son, Jesus Christ, and through Jesus as the one who gives us not only the possibility of having a relationship with Him, but gives us of Him very self. He gives His very Spirit to indwell us. You see, the possibility of God, of knowing this God, is only made real through Jesus Christ. But what gives us a dynamic life, a real experience, and a guiding experience, a powerful experience of God in our life is His very Spirit. Jesus, in response to a law expert who asked Him the question about eternal life, says, that it is necessary for God's spirit to do a work in him in order that he would be reborn, in order that he would be able to be the kind of person that communes with God, that knows God. Jesus highlights the significance of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 and 16 by saying, this spirit helps you and it guides you and it ministers to you and it empowers you to do the very same things that I have done. When Jesus leaves his disciples, towards the end of John it says this he breathed on them offered his peace and said to them receive the Holy Spirit it is in the life of Jesus Christ both in his baptism in his temptation and in his ministries that we see the human Jesus Christ solely dependent upon the Holy Spirit and the question that I have for you and me is that if it was so important for Jesus to have the Holy Spirit at work within him it is equally and more important for you and me to recognize that this Christian life is not simply an intellectual and a confessional one, but it is one that is lived in the power and the leading and the guiding of God's Spirit. What in fact changes us, what in fact grows us up, is when we take Jesus seriously when he says... What good person among you, when your child asks you for bread, will give them a stone? Or asks you for fish, will give them a snake? If you, good parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you his spirit when you ask for it? It is easy to live a life non-dependent on God's spirit. And, and perhaps, uh, how am I doing on time? Am I okay? Brother, how are you doing there? You okay? You're still with me? I'm pointing at you, right at you, right here. Yeah, you good? 
you know, you see, when you sit this far away from me, I walk, right? And then I come right up to you. So next week, sit right in the front. It's better, safer. I, I really don't get it. I've I got to be honest. This is, this is the worst kind of preaching, going on a, on a, you know, taking a, I don't know, a pathway somewhere else. But I don't get why these seats are empty. I don't know. I do shower. And, uh, but here's what I want to say to you. You know, if, if we want a communing relationship with God, first, it requires faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Second, it requires that you and I be open to His Spirit, for some of us, perhaps it has to be a prayer today. It has to be a prayer, God, you know, I've been trying to live my Christian life in my own strength. I, I've been trying to make it work. I've been trying to please you. I've been working hard, or I show up at church, or I pay my tithes, or I pray when I ought to, but I do not pray out of a knowing of you. I pray out of an obligation or a sense that maybe this will help me in my life. Here's what God wants most of all. I think one of the reasons he does not answer some of our prayers is because he's offering himself to us, and he says, here's what you need most. You need me. You need to know me, and I give myself to you. And so perhaps what can shake us out of where we are is not this idea that when I leave here, I'm going to leave here with three things that I I can do to make my life better, but when I leave here, I leave here with a desire and the openness for this personal relationship with God that is made possible through Jesus and that is in fact made real through the Holy Spirit. Christians are spirit-led, Paul says, spirit-filled. Christians are people who are empowered by God's very spirit. And this Spirit of God is not given to us apart from us knowing Jesus. You know, people search for power. That's humanity's, that's humanity's vice. We search for power. We search for authority. Some have even done so in the guise of God or in the guise of Christianity. But the kind of power that the Spirit gives to us does not come other than through the very person of Jesus Christ. For in knowing Him, the kind of power that we have is the power to live the kind of life that brings glory to God. It is a life of power, yes, but it is a life of witness. It is a life that matters. It is a life that is lived not in my own strength. Are you not tired of trying and failing? Are you not tired of feeling defeated? Are you not tired of feeling like, I just don't know how I'm going to make it? My friends, the answer is given to us in the scripture. It says, ask for the helper. Ask for the guide. Be open to my, my very presence that can help you live your life. This is why in our children's ministry, we do not just teach them the stories of the Bible. We're teaching them spiritual practices, not so that they can look a particular way, but so that they can encounter the living God. This is why in our youth ministry, we, 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 we do not exist to simply entertain your kids and keep them off the street, though those are good things. We do youth ministry here so that our young people can come to know the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. The reason we gather here on Sunday mornings is so that we can celebrate the one who is present, not only without, but within, in the body, in the church, within our lives. The God who is active, the God who is giving, the God who gives Jesus and gives of his very same spirit. This God continues to give what we need. Do you believe it? You can know him. We can know him in a personal way. Not only 
through placing our faith in Jesus Christ and receiving his spirit, but through the words of Christ. In chapter 8, verse 31, it says, If my words abide in you, then I will abide in you. If, if my words are in you, you are part of me. The word of God is given to us to know God. And here's an important point. You know, the scripture, the Bible, is not given to us primarily as a historical text, though it is. It is not given to us simply to be forensically analyzed and studied and scrutinized in its original context and its language, though that is important. It is not given simply for us to memorize. You know what Jesus says? He says, the word is given so that you may know me. The question that we must ask if we want to commune with God is what do we read the Bible for? Uh, it's okay to read it for information. And I've been in small groups where we love to discuss the theological nuances of the text and the language, but the ultimate goal of the scripture given to us as God's very word is that we may find and see him here. That what we read is his words to us. We read not for information. We read for encounter. When Jesus says this in the scriptures, he says, listen, my word has made you clean. He's saying my word is pruning you. My word is shaping you. Why? So that you would be fruitful. And you can only be fruitful when you come to me and you're attached to me. When we read the scripture, let us search for the one who is constantly wanting to work in our lives. There are many of us who know this scripture, we've read it, we've studied it. Uh, some of us have gone to Bible college, there's a lot of us like that in this room. Uh, some of us have been the, had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home and been exposed to the scriptures from a young age. But what the scriptures does is that it points towards the reality of the God who is present with us. When we allow the scripture to shape our lives, when we allow the scripture to, to speak to us, when we, when we search in it not only for, for ways to help us to further our own lives, but when we search for the very God who desires to be known and to make himself known, it is surprising how scripture can change your life. It is surprising when we expect more and anticipate more in the Holy Scriptures what God, in fact, can do. And then finally, how do we abide? How do we commune? How do we remain in Christ? We learn to do so with others, with other believers, through intentional participation in daily practices of personal and corporate worship, through the study of Scripture, through prayer, uh, through participation in, in worship and the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Let me just clarify this real quick, and I hope I'm not being all over the place. But you may sit here and you say, you know, what is baptism? What is the Lord's Supper? There are two sacraments that most Protestant churches, which we are, recognize as sacraments that the church will practice. The first is baptism. Baptism is an initiation into the faith. It is, a, it is a, 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 a ceremony, if you will, by which the person says, I have given myself over to God. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I want to be known as a Christian until I die. 
Baptism is the way by which we say that we're all in. The fact that we baptize in this church, I, I baptized Eckley a few weeks ago uh, in, in, in the cold Bow River, and it was important for Eckley that I took him right under the water. I was afraid that both of us would get swept away, but I, I figured, what a better way to go than baptizing somebody. Can you imagine what my tombstone could have said? You know, he went doing what Jesus told him to do. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and when I baptized him, Eckley wanted me to take him all the way down because he wants people to know, as every Christian who's baptized, that I'm all the way in. God has everything. He belongs. I belong completely to him. You know the sacrament of communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, depending on which tradition you're from. It is a sustaining sacrament. It is one by which we come and we say, Holy Spirit, <laughs> feed my soul. When we, when we symbolically eat the bread and drink the cup, we are saying, more of you in me. <laughs> we, 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 we are doing something physical that we believe is true spiritually. We are believing that God comes and inhabits our very beings. Listen, my friends, what's going to change the world is not more Ikea Christians. You know what an Ikea Christian is? You take the Bible like an instruction manual that comes with those darn stuff I cannot put together to save my life. And you figure that if I just read it and get the instructions and do this and that and this, then I will assemble a beautiful cabinet. It doesn't work in my home. My wife and I, my wife told somebody this past week when, when Stu and I assemble stuff, he has to leave. You see, God is not just looking for, for people to kind of just follow instructions. He's, he's looking for people to know him. Listen, do you feel, do you sense that God is at work within your life? Do you realize today that perhaps, as you're hearing this very simple message, that he's inviting you to really truly know him? That he's actually made himself available to you. Some of us, the, the danger of growing up in the church is, 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 that, is that we can be in this very kind of context. We can be around all the right words and the right sayings. We can even be in a good service with good worship and good songs and yet not have a personal communing relationship with this Lord Jesus Christ. You know how we know when we have a personal communing relationship? The scripture says this, we bear fruit. We bear fruit. You see, the question is not only what does it mean to commune, the question is this. Is my life bearing witness to really knowing God? Are there things growing up and in and through me that testifies to the reality that God is changing and growing me up? Are, are, are there things within me? Am I, am I becoming more like Jesus Christ? Am I, am, I, am I more patient? Am I more gracious? Am I more forgiving? Am I more loving? Am I more generous? Am I more content? Oh my goodness. Contentment as a sign of a growing Christian. Thanksgiving as evidence that God is at work within your life. Christians ought to grow in their capacity to give thanks and to be at peace for in Jesus they have received everything they need. They don't need to find in human relationships that which they can only find in God. And when they commune in God, they are truly satisfied even when and especially when 
life is not fair. For in him we have a promise that extends beyond our present and is in fact eternal. This morning as I end this message to which all God's people say, keep going. I want you to understand that to be a part of Skyview Community Church is to believe that when Jesus makes the invitation that we can abide with him and know him, that we will believe that and respond in that way. It is not that God is only present when we gather here, but in particular, and I think this is worth saying, when we gather to worship, as God's people, we gather around the true and living presence that is both present here with us and at work within us. I want you to hear, with no great fanfare on my account, with no laser beams and fireworks, the simplicity and the power of the Christian life is in knowing Jesus Christ. And he can be known.